He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He is our God. And we magnify him. And we glorify him. Remember on last year, I said there should not be a time that we ever have a service that we don't have an encounter with God. There should always be an encounter. Something that makes it different that you came to church today. Not that you just left the house. It's different than going to Walmart. It's different than running in and going to Walgreens. It's, it's different than just running to the grocery store. It's different than just going to Kroger, but we came out to be in the house of God. Somebody say yes, because that there is something miraculous that should happen, something amazing, something that should challenge you, something that should push you further, something that should make you have a prompt and say, God, I want to do better. Something that when we walk into the house of God, there is this, there is this thankfulness the Bible says, enter into his gates with what? Thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. Somebody say yes. I know there's not a lot of us here on this morning. Maybe it'd be due to the snow. But while we're here, we might as well worship him. Amen. I didn't get out in that snow and shovel all these sidewalks just to come and look at you. I came so that I could magnify the Savior and lift him up like never before. Somebody say yes. All right, get your pen and paper out. We're studying the mysteries of the kingdom. Amen. The mysteries of the kingdom. The mysteries of the kingdom. We're talking about the king through the day, so I'm a little of Zion, Judah's liar. He's the king. Somebody say he's the king. Of Zion, Judah's liar. Right, you got your pins and paper. Our Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for what is about to go forth. We pray that I now decrease so that you may increase. 
save somebody, deliver somebody, set free somebody on this day. Let us not leave the same way that we came in. Father, let not this time be futile, but let this be a time of engagement. A time that word that that words escape the reality of trying to explain what happened. Thank you for doing it. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. All right, so we've been studying a lot about prayer, and I don't believe I'm ever going to leave prayer in the sense of some way trying to get it in there. Uh, we understood the four assignments of prayer, one being transformation, one being making promises, I mean, making requests and obtaining promises. The third one that we talked about um, was um, transformation, making requests and obtaining promises. And then the third one we talked about was spiritual legislation spiritual legislation and i love that scripture in job chapter 22 verse number 28 that says you shall decree a thing and it shall be established unto you but don't forget about numbers chapter 14 verse 28 where it says i the lord says that whatever you say i'm paraphrasing what you say when i hear it i'll do it for you that's Numbers chapter 14 and verse number 28. We learned a little bit, and I'll come back to that a little bit, about the power of decrees, learning how to decree things. That means working to um, bring your atmosphere to the reality that Christ wants it to be. And then lastly, we talked about a warfare and intercession. I didn't do a justice on that teaching um, because I kind of held back because there's so much in that, so much in warfare, so much uh, intercession that I did not want to go too far. Um, I wanted to kind of lay low on that one because I'll be doing a special teaching um, as it relates to demonic influences and demonic activities. We pray every, every Friday night at midnight for those of you that have been with me, those of you online that have been with me, thank you so much. Thank you so much for... Um, taking the sleep out of your eyes and putting the cold towel on your face for a few moments. We've been praying for a half an hour. Um, I've been watching the time. First week we were at 23 minutes. Second week we were at 25 minutes. And this week we were at 31 minutes. So I'm not trying to keep us long at midnight, but I do believe that there is something spiritual. Somebody say spiritual. There's something spiritual that happens when you pray at midnight. I get this from Matthew chapter number 25, verse number, no, I'm sorry, Matthew 13, verse number 25. Write that down. That'll bless you. Matthew chapter 13, verse number 25, it says, while men slept, the enemy came in and sold tears, tears, sold tear, tear. T-A-R-E-S. There's a difference between tears and wheat, which means he sold chaos, sold um, depression, sold anxiety, sold low self-esteem. That is what the enemy does while we're asleep. So I pray every Friday night, and I do it online, and I thank you for those of you that are engaged with me. Those of you that have not done it yet, uh, we got this Friday, and I think this Friday is it. Um, but I don't believe the Lord told me to stop yet, so I'm still going. So I know for Friday, this Friday, we'll be praying again. Do me a favor. Try your best to get up. Um, those of you that are watching online, try your best. Get up. I set your alarm. Uh, it messes my whole night up. Because I, 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 huh? We're not live on Friday nights? Okay. So on Friday nights, we'll do our best 
to get that together. Um, I don't know why we're not, our sound guy is out today, so we are having some difficulties with ours, with everything that's going on. We'll figure, the guy that does our streaming, and so we'll work on that as we go. Is that all right? But do your best. Do your best to try to be with us on Friday night as we engage in prayer. Somebody say yes. That prayer specifically is for what's going on in the world today, so we want you to be there. Let me tell you this. The Satan is not afraid of the Word of God. He is not afraid of the Word of God. We see that in Matthew chapter number 4 when Jesus was led of the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Satan is not afraid of the world. He, of the Word. What Satan is afraid of, write this down, is your engagement and understanding of the Word. He's not afraid of the word. You can quote the scriptures all day. You can sing, shout, play, do all, and preach. He is not afraid of you just talking about the word. He is fearful, watch this, of your engagement and your understanding of the word of God. Once you engage and understand with the word of God, you inevitably start to apply the word and what satan wants to do is for you to not learn the power that's in the word of god the bible says heaven and earth is going to pass away but one thing for stand forever will stand forever that is the word of god david said a word had the word have i hid in my heart the bible says the word is a light unto my lamp unto my feet and what we need to, and that's what we shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Word of God is the most important. I gave you the four balances uh, two to three weeks ago, and one of them is the Word of God, that there must be an, an intentionality in us engaging and understanding the Word of God. James chapter 4 and 7 says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. And submitting there is not the act of salvation. It is submitting to God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the was with God, and the Word was God. There is that cooperation between the Word and the Spirit. Somebody say yes. And so I want to give you something that I started, started teaching on last week, probably two weeks ago. And I, I kind of want to, I want to work around it because as I was studying some more, I saw some things in this text that help us. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18 to 19. If you don't have your Bible, I brought it to you right there on the screen. I want to work this text. Is that all right? I believe there's so much lead into it. There are some scriptures that I just cannot move from, and um, this happens to be one of them. Matthew 16, 18, 19 says, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto you the keys. Somebody say keys. Keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound on heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So much going on here. I, I don't have the time to deal with everything. I'm going to bounce back and forth. But primarily, I'm looking at the mysteries of the kingdom as it relates to these keys. These keys. These keys that God has given. He said, I will give 
this, these keys were given on the heels of the beginning of the church. These keys were given on the heels on the establishment of the church. Here in Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18 and 19, he says, upon this rock, Petros, this, 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 this institution, I'm going to build, oh, don't want to really go too far. I'm going to build a government. The Bible says that the government shall be upon his shoulder. I'm going to build a way of life this way. And it's so influential, so powerful. That the, key, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And, 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 and I have to give you keys. Somebody say keys. Keys. Having keys. Having keys. I, 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 I moved. I did some stuff the other day. And um, I had a whole bunch of keys on my, on my, on my, my, my thing and on uh, my ring. And, and, and I could not figure out what key went where. Even when uh, it still happens to today to this church. Uh, Javon, when uh, we got this church, they gave me a ton of keys. I mean, Deke, I forgot his name, but he's Deke. He gave me like 30 keys. And I'm looking like, it ain't but like four or five doors up in this baby. And he gave me, and, and when I first got to this church, I went through, I tried to open every door because almost every key looked the same. And I was getting frustrated because the keys that I was using was not opening up the door. I went to that door. I went to that door. We changed everything now. I went to that door. I went down the basement. There's a key onto my office. I mean, there's a lot. I was going, and it was frustrating that I could not find the key. Now, here it is. We own the building. Well, the bank owns the building. We pay the mortgage. Get that. So y'all, unless somebody want to bless me to uh, pay off the bank, pay this off, then it'll be my building. Um, but right now, it's the mortgage company owns this building. We, we just pay our mortgage. We don't pay rent. We pay mortgage. It's my building. But while I was trying to open door, I got frustrated that all the keys were not working properly. And it's nothing worse. And, and, and as I was studying this, the Holy Spirit said, that's how it is for the church. That the church has keys, but they do not know which doors should be open. It's frustrating. Frustrating. Anybody ever had that problem before? Try, you, ever, you ever have a car almost like the other car, and you take the wrong keys in the wrong car, and be like, why is this car not starting? Because it's the wrong key. Keys. Somebody say keys. Nothing worse. I don't know which one is worse. Having keys and not knowing what they open or not having any keys at all. It is frustrating to have keys and try to work, open them with doors and those doors don't open. This is where we have to pay close attention because now it is where Jesus is teaching us that you guys have keys to prosperity. You guys have keys to healing. He said, I, I, I'm giving you keys to favor. I'm giving you keys to abundant blessings. I'm giving you keys to relationships. I'm giving you keys to grace. But the problem is because you've only been able to open one door, the door of holiness or the door of salvation. He said, because you've only been open, able to open one door, you have refused to use the other keys. You've got keys, but you don't know how to open the door. Somebody say, yes, Lord. We have to pay close attention here because Jesus is saying something. Look what he says. He says, and upon this rock, I will build what? 
my. This is kind of personal here. He says, upon this rock, I'm teaching, I'm going to build what? My, not the church, my church. Which makes me, under, makes me think, why would you give it a personal pronoun? Why didn't you say you're going to build the church? Because I understood when I started studying that there were already, already, uh, excuse me, already existing organizations of religious segments. There were Pharisees, there were Sadducees, there were already religious organizations in play. And Jesus is telling us on this occasion, I'm going to show you how to build what I put in place. Somebody say, yes, Lord. Remember, Jesus came to establish a whole new type of system. A system that's clearly advantageous to those that belong in his kingdom. Jesus is saying, the word church there is, uh, is, is translated ecclesia or ecclesia. The word ecclesia is really meant synod. Synod. A body of political persons. He says, listen, when I come, Rome already has its way of doing things. They already have a senate in place. They already have a government in place. He said, but when I come, I've come not that you may have life, but that you will have life more what? Abundantly, which means there is a system. I have not just the church, but somebody say my church. My church, this is, this is gonna be good. <laughs> This is good. He says, upon this rock, upon this Petros, I'm going to build my. There are already other churches. There are already other religious organizations. And anybody knows church is not a religious organization. We are a kingdom of believers. According to Revelation chapter 5, verse number 10, we are a kingdom of priests. Kingdom of priests. So God is saying what we have been doing all this time, trying to build church, has been totally off base. We should be trying to build his church, not the church, but build his church. Somebody say yes. And this church is so powerful, so potent, that he says the gates of hell will not be strong enough to even prevail against this. So today I'm going to help you with the mysteries of the kingdom. I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures, so write these down. Just write the scriptures down so you can go back and study them on your own time. I'm going to get you thinking differently why Jesus Christ came. I'm going to go ahead and get in trouble in the beginning of my message. Let me go ahead and get in trouble. As a church, listen up real good. What we've done is pointed everybody towards Calvary. As a church, we've made it all about the day that he died and then the day that he rose again. And as I read my Bible, Calvary is not the destination for the church. That is the means to the destination. And I'm going to prove this to you. Because what we've done, even, it, it, it just blew my mind because even I started thinking about Easter and, and how we celebrate it so widely and, 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 so, and so so largely. And I said, we've made everybody, we get them to the cross. We told people Jesus Christ came to die. And though he did, that is not, that is not the whole part of it. It is not about us showing people that Jesus Christ came to die. It is not us getting people to realize Calvary. Calvary is automatically realized. 
But once we realize what Calvary is, we have to live. And how we live is through the kingdom of God. Somebody say kingdom. This is going to help you. This is going to be new for you, but I'm gonna, this is going to help you. Go to my next, first scripture. Here it is, Luke chapter 4, verse 43. Luke chapter 4, verse 43. I'm going to teach you that Calvary is not the ultimate goal. Calvary is like the door to the store. If I sell shoes, that's my product. Calvary is my door. So as an advertiser, I don't advertise, look at my pretty door. I got suit shoes to sell. So I advertise the shoes. But what we have done as a church, we've advertised the door so much. This is why we have people that are not living holy. This is why people are struggling with their Christian life. This is why people are walking around, can't get themselves together. Because we've advertised the door so much that we have not understood what's behind the door. Somebody say yes. Here it is, Luke chapter 4, verse 43. Look what it says. He replied, I must preach <laughs> the good news of what? The kingdom of God in other towns too. Because that is what? Are y'all reading it? What does it say? That is what? Not Calvary. We're not, we're not discarding Calvary. We got to get through the blood. We, we get that. But we focus so much on it that it's been a stumbling block. I, I can tell you, Calvary's almost messed the church up because we're trying to get people to get to Calvary that we got to get them beyond the door, beyond the door to the kingdom of God. He said, listen, it's, 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 in, it's in the Bible. It says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God because that is why I was sent. Somebody say yes. All right, go to my next script. Go to my next scripture. I got another one. I'm going to build this case. Y'all don't mind if I build my case, do you? This is the teaching, and then we'll preach later on. I started to preach this Sunday. I started to. I had a, I had, ooh, I had a message ready for you. Uh, but I said, no, go ahead and teach. Preach later. Look at this one. It says, from then on, Jesus began to preach. Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is what? Near. The kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God is what he came to preach. Go back to my, go back to my screen, Luke. Go back to Luke um, 4 and 43. He said, because I, I preach the good news of the kingdom of God because that's why I'm sick. Go to my next screen. And then he says, uh, he said, then I preach, repent of your sin and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. I got another one. Go to the next one. Luke chapter 9 verse number 2. Said Then he sent them out to tell everybody about what? About what? The kingdom of God. And to heal the sick. Kingdom. Somebody write down the word kingdom. Write this word down. Kingdom. It's a two-pronged word. King King, rulership, authority. Dom is short for domain, dominion. Genesis chapter 1. Fill the earth. Subdue and multiply. Have what? Dominion. The whole idea of the church 
is that we will bring what's in heaven down to the earth. Remember, we are spiritual entity. We fight. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, all those other things. We fight on the earth. But we use kingdom principles to help us with our mindset. Somebody say yes. When you think in the Western world, we think of kingdom, we think of kings and queens, like something like England, Queen Elizabeth and all that. But the kingdom of God, as Jesus spoke about it, is not a physical place. It's not limited, rather, to physicality. It's not a country. It's not a land. It's not a mass. It's not even extending to the borders of ancient Egypt, Israel, excuse me. But rather, the kingdom of God is a reign, R-E-I-G-N, a reign, a consistent flow of power of God over heaven and earth over all things invisible and visible. This is what we came to do. This is why when Jesus came and um, a lot of them were disappointed because they were wanting a kingly feature, a kingly man. They were like, hold up, Jesus is born in a manger? Wait a minute, Joseph's son? Even though Joseph was of the lineage of David, wait a minute. The carpenter's son, this is why they could not identify Christ. And so when they screamed, Hosanna, Hosanna, it wasn't like they were ready when he was marching through the city. He, first of all, got on a donkey, and they could not understand it. He came in ways that they could not see it. They were hoping that Jesus Christ would be the answer to overthrow Caesar, Pilate, to oversee the Roman government. But instead, he said, I didn't come to do that. I didn't come to condemn your law. I came to fulfill it. He came to give us kingdom principles so that while we are here on the earth, we will live a life of success. And even when things get rough, we would not moan and bemoan about what's wrong. We would enact or bring to pass the kingdom. Somebody say the kingdom. Go to my next scripture, Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. It says, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from how long? The creation of the world. I don't have time to deal with inheritances, but that's why Jesus says the kingdom is near because while he was alive, he could not give them the kingdom. You only inherit something once somebody died. That's another teaching. But once Jesus Christ died, we inherit the kingdom. All right? Let's keep rolling on. Remember that scripture in uh, Luke is also in Matthew. It says we learned it in our, in, our, um, in our Lord's prayer. It says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The first part talks about who he is, the revelation of the fatherhood, but then when it gets to after hallowed be thy name, it starts the first part of that prayer of asking something. What does it ask? It says, thy kingdom what? Come. Somebody say kingdom. Thy kingdom. This is the, old, this is the first part of the prayer that we ask for anything. 
Oh, God is so amazing. He set it up that first we will honor him. He set up first that he reveals how much of a father he is to us by the spirit of adoption according to Galatians. But then he says, listen, the only thing I want you to ask for right here, he said, ask for the king. He said, let my kingdom come. Let my will be done. Where? On earth. As it is where? The whole point of the church, as we do this rediscovery again on the church, is that we bring what the Father, this is going to make sense about Matthew 16, 18 through 19, about whatever you bind on earth shall be bound on heaven, whatever you loose on earth shall be loose on heaven. This is making sense now. He's saying, upon this rock, I'm going to build my system, my way of doing, having, my way of blessing you. I'm going to build my my church, not nobody else's church, not a pharisaical way, not a Sadducee way, not a Pentecostal way, not a Baptist way, not a church in God and Christ way. All that stuff may seem good to people, but that is not the way God intended it. No. One church, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. Of course we understand expression and, and some of y'all need to know the word denomination means division. Common denominators. What's the division of it? So I don't talk about denominations because that's it doesn't even mean we just say something we say so. He meant for us to have one church, and that is called the kingdom church. Somebody says yes. His death was a means for us to bring the kingdom to the earth. Again, not Calvary. But the kingdom. I've given you the scripture. I'll get to you again. Revelation chapter 5, uh, verse number 10. This is John the Revelator. Uh, when he was caught up, the whole chapter 5 is just, if, you ever get, if anybody who likes the book of Revelation, chapter 5 is a good, good, good book to read. Talks about the four and twenty elders and the four beings. And it's just absolutely and how they all have their harps and their bowls and they're worshiping our God. But look what it says, and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God. And they will reign where? On the earth. On the earth. Let me keep building my case because this scripture, this Sunday, is all about me building. I'm not going to do anything else but build. Go to my next slide, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 to 28. This is what it says. So God created man in his own image. Because if you understand the kingdom, he says in that one scripture, this kingdom was established in the beginning of the world, before the creation of the world. Before the world was made, the kingdom was put in place. Look what he says. He says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, here's what God is trying to get us back to. Our goal is not heaven. <laughs> it's not heaven. Our goal is to reign with him on the earth. Because I try to talk about the rapture. After it's all over, we come back. It is not that we, heaven is a storage place. 
Heaven is not where we want to go and stay. It is where we stay and, I mean, it's where we start until he comes back and reigns on the earth and he brings everything. Everything from Genesis to Revelation is trying to get us back to Genesis. Somebody say yes. Trying to get us back to Genesis. Everything is that we would have oneness with the Father. That we could be like Adam and walk around in the cool of the day and talk to God. That's the whole purpose. One scripture Isaiah says, Isaiah says this way, the new Jerusalem. Come on, let's read it again. So God created man in his own image in the image of God created them, male and female, he created them. Then God said, here's what God said. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. Five. Five is the number of grace. Five things. I want you to be fruitful, multiply. I want you to fill the earth. One scripture says replenish. Subdue it and have dominion. Dominion means authority. The church is supposed to have authority in the earth realm. The reason why people are not coming to the church in terms of understanding that's where the power is, is because we've lost our identity. We've lost our responsibility. Our responsibility is not just to preach and sing and play and usher and have live streams. All those things are wonderful. But our responsibility is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 to 28. It said, I need you to be fruitful. I need you to multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Take control and have dominion over the fish of the sea, bears of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the what? Earth. That's our job. I'm bringing this teaching up because as we look into prayer as a system, as a pattern by which God has given to the church, we cannot leave that door open and not have to help, help but think what other things that God bring to the church to have control over. What other things did God give to the church to have dominion over? What other things did God give to the church to have subduing over? There are other things, not just prayer, but prayer opens that door. Keys. I've given you keys to, to have dominion, keys to subdue, keys to fill, keys to be fruitful, keys to multiply, not just keys to shout, but just keys to sing songs or preach messages. That, those are not keys. Those are expressions. But God wants us to have control of the earth. I know this may be a difficult teaching for a lot of people because we've been taught to live by expressions and it's not about expressions. It's about kingdom. Somebody say kingdom. We were meant to bring the things of heaven to this place called earth. We were called to have dominion in the earth and have a platform by accomplishing this through prayer. How can we be ambassadors? How can we be uh, uh, 
delegates for the king and we spend no time with them. That's what prayer does. Remember, the first assignment of prayer is transformation. How can I hear what the Father is saying? I am a legal representative of the kingdom of God. And when I walk in, that's why it says when you walk into darkness, the light should come on because darkness comprehends you not. When the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the earth and the Spirit of God hovered or moved upon the earth, the first thing he says, let there be what? What did he say? Let there be what? Light. That's what the kingdom is. We are the light. The first thing in a chaotic situation, in a chaotic world, in a world that's dealing with a pandemic, in a world that's getting all types of conspiracy theories about where all this came from, we should be the light that sitteth upon the hill cannot be hidden. I am the light of the world. The light. Then when I walk into certain situations, people say something's changed. Something just changed. Not because Rodney walked through the door. Not because Pastor Rodney walked through the door. Not, not because Cousin Rodney walked through the door, but because the light walked in. Somebody say yes. God intended us. He said, let there be kingdom. Let there be light. That's was supposed to turn on and expose the ravages of darkness. But you got to spend some time with them. We got to be willing in our prayer time for God to give us direction. Revelation chapter 2 and 29, write this down. This will bless your heart. Revelation 2 is not on the screen, but Revelation 2 and 29 gives me this powerful in past, it says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the what? Church. Somebody say yes. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Go to my one scripture. Remember, it's all about scripture today. Luke 17. Luke 17, verses 20 and 21, and I'm about to get out of here because I got to roll. Look what it says. And when he was demanded, this is Jesus being demanded of the Pharisees um, to talk about the kingdom of God. He said, when the kingdom of God should come, he said, come on, Jesus, tell us when the kingdom of God is going to get here. He answered them and said, the kingdom of God coming not by just looking. Nobody's going to say, lo, is here and lo, is there. He said, but the kingdom of God is within you. Somebody say yes. It's in us. I live, breathe, look the kingdom. I am a representative. I am a legal authority for the kingdom of God. It's in you. It's a lifestyle. A lifestyle. Somebody say it's in me. I right, hit my last scripture and I'm rolling up out of here. I said this earlier, that this is the year of revelation and manifestation, too. Um, this is the year that God revealed to us. I, I don't know about you, but we don't have a lot of time to waste. 
I believe that, um, and I don't, I don't want to say this in a bad way, but I don't believe coronavirus will be the end of a plague. I, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that when this is done or when we feel this is done, that there'll be no more plague. I believe this is the beginning. And the only way that we will be able to deal with this is through revelation. Revelation has to be a part of our lifestyle. We have to understand what the church is for. I believe that the church has borders around it, that we are protected from the things of the enemy. And whatever God allows to go through our country, I believe the church can be fortified against it. Somebody say yes. It's going to take prayer. It's going to take us getting back to the place that we understand our authority in the kingdom of God. That we are supposed to speak those things that be not as though they are. The reason why a lot of things are not working for people, because they're not kingdom minded. You could quote scriptures all day. But if unless you are kingdom minded, somebody say kingdom. Time is but a fleeting moment. We are having so many deaths. So many people are passing away. So many people. Every time you turn around, it just seems like death hits harder now than it ever has. All my life growing up, I've, I've seen people die, you know, family members, friends, loved ones. But it seems like now death is hitting harder. Somebody said to me earlier that there's more deaths than before. I said, I don't know that. I said, but it's hitting differently now. I don't know. But something is more than what it is. And it's, it's making us understand we have to, life is just but a fleeting moment. And if we don't get a hold to what God is saying, if we don't engage and understand the principles of the kingdom, we have to deprogram ourselves from all this religiosity from whatever we do. Let me give you this last scripture and I'm getting out of here. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen generation. Remember Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. <laughs> if we get back to that word ecclesia, senate is only people that are chosen to be there. He says, you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You're his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this what? Marvelous light. Into this marvelous light. Come on, lift your hands. Let's begin to seal in, seal in what we've learned. Let's seal in what God has given to us. Father, let not one word escape us, even though I may forget for the second. I pray that you bring back to my remembrance these things 
that will help me grow. In the name of Jesus, come on, lift your hands here. Great are you, Lord. So great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Come on, worship him because we have Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Come on, it's your breath. Come on. It's 